We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after a Timberwolves loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, 135 to 139. I know it was a loss, but if you if you if you did miss the game last night, I mean you missed you missed Anthony Edwards' best game of his career. I mean, you you, you could tell that from a little glance at the box score. It was insane. But it really was, it was more than stats and you know, just kind of tracking it along as the game was going on. His his numbers didn't really explode till the second half, but you could just tell that Anthony Edwards was playing his cleanest game of the year. I mean, he's had 30, 40 points, you know, numerous times this season, but in those other best performances, there was, you know, there's parts of those games that were a little messy. You know, they had they had those rookie mistakes in them, whether you know, bad decision-making, bad shot selection, you know, disappearing for chunks of time. And tonight, really for the first time all season, there was just none of that. It was clean. He didn't, you know, he didn't only look like the rookie of the year. I mean, he just didn't look like a rookie, period. And that box score, box score was <laughs> box score was clean. You know, 42 points, six boards, seven assists, eight of nine from deep, eight threes, and he was nine of thirteen from two. He dominated efficient, efficiently on 22 shots. And Chris Finch, I think y'all kind of have Finch's kind of vibe by now. He's he's not the coach who's going to come out and crown one of his players after a loss. That's just not really, you know, it's not really his style. But Edwards' performance tonight, you know, deserved praise, and, and Finch gave it to him. We've seen Ant have 30, even 40-point games before, but did this feel like, 
as clean of a game from a decision-making standpoint that you've seen from him this season? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, there was uh, 42 points and, you know, he made some tough ones in there once he got it going, but most of them were really good looks in the flow of the offense. He, he imposed himself on what we were trying to do out there and uh, got downhill, um, got them in foul trouble, uh, did a, you know, did a great job of, of, you know, staying in the flow and, but staying aggressive. If you don't want to win, you know, it's always better to grow when you win. Uh, he played outstanding tonight. I'm sure he wants to win more than he wants to score 42. Uh, but it's, you know, certainly shows what he's capable of. Uh, and for that, we should be all be pretty excited. There's definitely different ways to put up 42 points in a loss. I mean, there are, we're, we're used to big empty games in Minnesota. We've seen, we've seen plenty of that this year from Ant to Cat to D'Lo. But this was not an empty 42-point game from Edwards. Ant himself, he did more than enough to win this game. And, you know, on this night, it was, it, was the, it was the opposite of what we're used to. We're used to Cat needing help. And tonight it was Cat needed to help, and he didn't. Ant was the player who was driving winning for this team. And, and really this isn't, this is becoming not out of the norm. We are, we're hitting a critical mass, like a real sample size where we can say that Ant is frequently driving winning. Yeah, you know, it's time to just get rid of the whole, like, Ant is an inefficient score line. It's just, it's just not true. I mean, the truth is Ant was an inefficient score. And, that, and yes, his stats will tell you for the season that Ant has overall been an inefficient score this season. And that's, that's because of the beginning of the year. I mean, league average true shooting percentage, the bar you set for efficient versus inefficient shooting is 56%. That's league average. For the season... Edwards's true shooting percentage is 51%. That's inefficient. But that's because for the first half of the year, his true shooting percentage was 46%. Awful. His true shooting percentage since the All-Star break is 56%. 46% before, 56% after. And that's league average. And that he is doing it on crazy volume is what makes that 56 carry weight. Edwards is shooting over 19 shots per game on average, since the All-Star break. 30 games, over 30 games. For the season, there are only 12 players in the league who are taking 19 shots per game. Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Nikola Vucevic, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, and De'Aaron Fox. 12 players. Ant's volume has been the same as those guys in these 30 games since the All-Star break. And on that list, right, you, I mean, you have some of your, your best shooters in the league. You got Curry shooting over 20 shots a game, and he's doing it well, well over 60%. Kyrie and Dame, they're over 60%. And Levine is over 60% too. They are volume, high-volume players that do it on a high efficiency. But the rest of those guys, the other eight, you know, they're, they're high 50s. That's not that much above Ant's recent level. And there's a couple of guys that Ant is at the exact same level as. Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox are both shooting over 19 shots per game, and they're doing it similarly with a 56 or 57% true shooting percentage. Now, the, the winning isn't there for Ant, so there's an apples and oranges thing here, certainly to Donovan Mitchell. But, but really, 
Edwards' stats are very similar to Mitchell's if you isolate it for since the All-Star break. Because since the break, Edwards is averaging 24 points per game, five and a half boards, and three assists per game on 56% true shooting. For the season, Donovan Mitchell, who will make an All-NBA team this year, is averaging 26 points per game, four and a half boards, five assists on 57 true shooting. Those are pretty much the same stats. I mean, the, the ant to Donovan Mitchell comp that people made before the year or have made during this year, it's just, it's not that far off. It, we're at the point where it's not crazy to say that Anthony Edwards could offensively have a season similar to Donovan Mitchell next year. We're, we're at 30 games now, 30 games, where Ant is very much creeping in on that Donovan Mitchell level. As Chris, as Chris Finch said, it, it certainly shows what he's capable of, capable of, and for that, we should all be pretty excited. We're going to take a quick break here and get to what else sort of transpired in Wednesday night's game. I'm not sure about you, but I'm taking a rain check on spring cleaning this year. Freshening up for the season with comfort instead with some sheets, with some towels, some loungewear, and more from Brooklinen. And with their birthday sale happening this weekend, Brooklinen is offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for their biggest sale of the year. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky with the goal to create beautiful luxury home essentials at prices that don't break the bank. By working directly with manufacturers, they ensure premium, high-quality comfort every time and at a fraction of the retail price. That means ridiculously soft bedding, towels, and loungewear. Brooklinen is so confident you'll love everything. They will give you a 365-day warranty. They've even got 75,000 five-star reviews. It's hard to argue with that. Get everything you need for a fresh spring during Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year. Shop Brooklinen's birthday sale going on this weekend. And if you're listening to this podcast after the sale ends, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE. My last name to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. That's brooklinen.com and enter the promo code MORE to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. So with five minutes left in this game, Chris Finch brought Carl Anthony Towns back into the game when the Wolves were down 118 to 123. Cat had been in foul trouble throughout the night, and for that reason, he was out of the game for most of the time that Ant was really rolling tonight. And what's going to bug people from this game is that Ant was clearly rolling and that the offense at the end of the game went all through Cat and D'Lo. It was Cat, D'Lo, two-man game, 
pretty much the entirety of the final five minutes of that game. Which, that's, it was frustrating. I mean, if you're watching, you just seeing Ant stand in the corner, and it was frustrating. You wanted him to get a touch. But at the same time, the Cat and D'Lo two-man game was working. Again, they were down by five when Cat checked in with five minutes left, and within a minute of Cat returning, the Wolves had deleted that five-point deficit. Him and D'Lo ran a smooth pick-and-pop. Cat hits a three, and the game's tied at 123-123. They worked at the next possession for a D'Lo mid-range that he hit, and the possession after that, D'Lo had a drop-off to Cat for an and-one. And at that point, the Wolves had the lead. The real problem with the final five minutes was not that Ant didn't get a touch. It felt like he should get a touch. But that wasn't the problem. I mean, the problem was the fact that the Wolves could not defend down the stretch again. They were scoring, but so were Job Morant and Desmond Bain and the rest of the Grizzlies on the other side of the ball. With two minutes left, Ant finally did get a touch. And he had a great drive and kick. The defense collapsed, and he found Jaden McDaniels for an open three in the corner, and McDaniels missed it. It wasn't anything Ant did wrong, but that was his that was his only look with the game in the balance. The Wolves went back to the D'Lo Cat game, you know, the next possession, and D'Lo hit another eight-foot runner. Again, that that pairing was working. So, like, yes, it felt wrong that Ant wasn't getting shots, but the Wolves were scoring. It was different than remember that that Oklahoma City game when it was just D'Lo over and over again and Ant wasn't getting a touch and he was just sitting in the corner. This game really, I mean, offensively, if you want to point point at somebody for blame, it was Cat who fumbled it away. Ant was rolling, D'Lo was scoring down the stretch, and Cat had two ugly turnovers in the last, like, 97 seconds of the game. I think maybe, you know, maybe that's the argument that under those two minutes, maybe the baton should have been passed to Ant, mix him in a little bit more off of that two-man game. Don't exclusively go through Cat and D'Lo. But again, it's not like it hadn't been working, specifically D'Lo. So, I mean, it's going to be labeled as the, like, why was the ball in D'Lo's hand on the stretch game? But when the ball was in D'Lo's hands, it was fine. I mean, we could question that big picture, the idea that it's just going to be D'Lo running the show at the end of the game. But, but tonight, D'Lo was cooking, too. In those last four minutes, he had two those two big assists to Cat, and he made those two big buckets himself. It was it was it was Cat. Cat. This was the one of the games where he wasn't delivering down the stretch. The ball was in D'Lo's hands, but but I'm not going to say that D'Lo was making any bad decisions with it in those last five minutes. It is an interesting balance, though. If you are D'Angelo Russell, you are the point guard out there. Like, what do you do to both? include Ant and Cat while also being aggressive yourself. And I I asked D'Lo about that after the game. D'Lo, the, what's, what's the mentality for you kind of at the end of the game there where you got Ant on the wing or in the corner who's who's got 40 or whatever, and you're running, but you're running the two-man game with you and Cat. Like, as a point guard, what are you trying to do to include the both of them, or, or can you do that? Uh, I mean, I think you just kind of take what the game gives you. Um, I mean, I obviously got the ball in my hand, so through the flow of the game, I'm getting off of it, getting off of it. You know, down the stretch, I'm trying to be a little more aggressive no matter what um, anybody else is doing. That's aggressive to get there and pass or aggressive for my own shot. Um, I think, you know, just, just having that balance 
you know, throughout the game. And then we could be consistent with it. I think every night it could be somebody else's 40-point game. As long as we learn how to win, I think that'll be our, our next step. This is going to be the cord to strike for this team. You know, as Dilo said, as the point guard, you know, the ball is going to be in his hands at the end of the game. And it is just kind of in Russell's DNA as a player to be more aggressive in those times. It's, it's actually a strength of his. You know, D'Lo is a strong late game option. This is the nature of, of, of having D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards all on your team is that it's just going to need to be some baton passing. You know, all three players, you want to be aggressive when they get a touch there. You want D'Lo to do his thing. You want to be looking for cat shots always. And when Ant is rolling, like you want him to be aggressive too. Now, could have there been some better baton passing in the midst of those late, you know, that late game last five minutes? I mean, maybe it, it kind of feels like some nitpicking to me. It didn't happen, but it's it's not like it wasn't working. Again, the problem, as the problem always is, it was defense. This team didn't defend well enough down the stretch to win. They scored plenty down the stretch to win. So I, I'm not putting this on late game play calling failure like or decision to who shoots it failure I, I think if you want to point to anything you point to the same thing we always point to which is a roster that's just a little funky and how it kind of meshes at the top and a roster that doesn't defend at a high level I mean you can win some games with that we've seen we've seen it but big picture this just still needs to be you know ironed out if they want to win consistently there was another um, in the big picture sort of shift, I guess, uh, and that was that D'Angelo Russell moved back into the starting lineup. Since he's you know, returned from his injury on April 5th, D'Lo had, you know, he played 15 games and he'd come off the bench in all 15 of those games. And tonight he moved back into the starting lineup and Ricky Rubio moved into that backup bench point guard role where Rubio only played 17 minutes. Because D'Lo played 37, so there's only 11 backup minutes for Ricky to play. And then those two, Rubio and D'Lo, shared the floor for six minutes and Jordan McLaughlin didn't play at all. So if D'Lo played 37 minutes and only six of them were with Rubio, that means he played 84% of his minutes tonight as the only point guard on the floor. And that's a huge shift. That's a huge shift from what we've seen from Russell since he's returned. In those, in those 15 games that he was coming off the bench, D'Lo was only playing 33% of his minutes as the only point guard on the floor. 67% of his minutes were either with Rubio or McLaughlin out there with him. 84% tonight, 33% previously. I asked Finch after the game about the impact of this, this sort of lineup shift. And then with D'Angelo starting tonight, you have kind of shifts up your rotation. How did you feel about what, what you found through there? D-Lo, the look with D'Lo being the starter, how, what it, what what kind of came together there for you? Um, yeah, I mean it's you know we gotta we gotta keep toying with it. Um, you know, unfortunately tonight uh, J Mac got bumped out of the rotation. Uh, that wasn't intentional. Um, you know we gotta we gotta keep tweaking it, and so we can get a little bit of a flow here uh, in the last six games. But you know I think um, you know I thought uh, those guys out there. Obviously, you got a lot of firepower. We just got to find a way to get some stops now. That little anecdote about McLaughlin being out of the rotation, not being intentional, is, is interesting. You know, it implies the idea that they're not totally done with the D'Lo as a shooting guard 
idea. The one thing I'm curious if they're steering away from is the D'Lo at the two next to Ricky minutes. We obviously know those minutes were a, a massive failure before Finch got here. Rubio and Russell shared the floor pre-All-Star break for 141 minutes. And in those minutes, they had a horrendous net rating of minus 22.4, which was far and away D'Lo's worst two-man pairing. D'Lo's worst play or the Wolves' worst play came when D'Lo was out there with Ricky. And there was some optimism, right, with Cat back in the mix and with Ant kind of progressing that, you know, Finch here, that this, that they might be able to find something with D'Lo and Rubio minutes, that they'd be able to work it out in the second half of the season. Unfortunately, that has not been the case. Uh, it's been 119 minutes now since the All-Star break that Rubio and Russell have shared the floor and in those minutes, they have a net rating of minus 16.7, which is, again, far and away D'Lo's worst two-man pairing over that stretch of time. I think we're at the point where the reality is that this just might not work with the two of them to play together. And I, th I think this rotation shift is just, is just kind of further recognition by the organization of that. I, th I think bringing D'Lo off the bench for as long as they did was their initial recognition. You know, they were staggering minutes from D'Lo and Rubio a bunch that was their first recognition but now we're just kind of at this point of like well D'Lo's fully healthy we need to see him play more with the starters he's only playing half of his minutes next to Cat we need more of that so I think they just kind of feel like they have to sort of wave the white flag on on this whole at all pretty much Rubio and D'Lo together idea it's unfortunate because it just doesn't work well. D'Lo was actually fitting in with that second unit well. You know, when D'Lo was coming off the bench, that Nas, Vando, Wancho, D'Lo, McLaughlin group, you know, that, that second unit was great. The, the issue is Rubio doesn't synergize well with that group. You know, Rubio, is, he plays better with Ant and Cat and the starters. So you're just kind of at this convergence of needing to ask yourself, like, who are you going to prioritize playing with Cat and Ant? And just because D'Lo fits better with the bench, like, you can't, you can't really justify taking him away minutes from Cat and Ant because that's, you know, that's the big picture. The big picture is to have D'Lo play with them. You know, this probably will really limit Rubio's total minutes. Again, he only played 17 tonight. But it's also probably going to limit his overall effectiveness. And it just kind of feels like that's become the price of doing business with this roster. I, I mean, I'd, I'd say we'll track it down the stretch, but I'm just not sure how much more there really is to track here. The, the D'Lo-Rubio pairing just, it hasn't worked this season. That's just about all I got for you tonight. Uh, the good news of the loss is that it helps the Wolves in the tanking standings. Um, Orlando, Cleveland, and Houston all also played tonight, and they all also lost. So by the Wolves losing, they kept themselves in that third-to-last slot in the standings, which for now keeps their odds of keeping their pick at 40.1%. And, we're I mean, we're at the point of the season now. You know, they're still there. There's only six games left, so literally only so much movement can happen. But... You know, the Wolves aren't playing poorly. And they play both Orlando and Detroit in their next three games. 
The Wolves are currently at 20 wins. Detroit has 19 wins, and Orlando has 21. You know, both Detroit and Orlando have full ownership of their picks in the coming draft, so you would assume that they're certainly further incentivized to lose those games against the Wolves than the Wolves are. But I've actually been watching these tanking teams play a lot lately, and of the six tanking teams, you know, the Pistons and Magic look to actually be the most competitive. Like Oklahoma City, Cleveland, and Houston, they suck. They've clearly they've clearly given up. But I don't know. We, we'll cross that bridge you know, when we get there. Because before we get there, before the Orlando and Detroit games, the Wolves have Miami on Friday night, a game I'm sure Cap will want to get right in because I mean, tonight was really might have been his worst game of the year. I will be back to talk to you on Friday after that one. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.